Thank you for joining us at Luminous Church. And this morning, we hope that you see Jesus clearly. Hey, we're excited you're here this morning. Um, this is the last sermon in our sermon series, Love Out Loud. And so bear with me because anytime we end a series, Ben Chapman gets a little loose. He gets a little loose. And I have some audience participation for you this morning, and you're going to really enjoy it. I'm going to invite I'm gonna invite my man, Jay Tom, to come up to help me with this participation because he is far better looking than me, and it always helps a sermon illustration. So... He's going to come up. Not yet, Jay. Not yet. I'm just prepping him. I'm just getting him excited. I know. I know. I know. I know you're jazzed, man. It's awesome. Hey, hey, man, we, um, we've been talking about Love Out Loud, and there's been a clear action step for us. If we were going we to preach Love Out Loud, then let us be a people that love out loud clearly, clearly with an action step. And so we gave, we gave us an action step to take, and that was um, we presented during our first Sunday the 11 million refugees are who are displaced an immediate need if you remember the little boy who washed up onto the beach baby Ilon who took who took the breath away from the world and woke up the world and said we got to do something about this our church has stepped up and we said we're going to practically this is going to be our outreach for September we're going to give we're going to pray and some of you may even go, but we're going to pray and we're going to give. And so to date, we have raised $1,000 to send to them. Can you give yourself a hand? Okay, give yourself a bigger hand. A bigger hand. Come on, everybody clap because that's awesome. Now, you may not think it's awesome, but I think it's awesome. I think it's awesome because of this. Because I gave $40. Remember I told you two weeks ago I was going to give up Starbucks and I was going to give my $40 to go to this you know what's crazy, and this is what's so amazing about, about the church. And the church global, I think, can answer the call, and I think can be the solution for 11 million refugees. But the church local, Luminous, right here, you and I, I didn't have the money in my bank account to write a check for $1,000. I didn't. I had 40, and I wrote 40. But because you gave, we were able to give more than I could give alone. And that's what's so amazing about the church. When we're together, we're able to accomplish more than we are separate. And it's why we do life together. It's why we build church together. It's why we're doing community groups together. It's why we're doing everything together because, because God is going to use the church to make an impact and do something significant. And I'm so excited that today we will be donating that money. And we believe that God's going to use that money to help people. We believe it. And, and not only are we just going to write a check, I'm putting my faith in that. I'm putting my faith in Jesus, that Jesus is going to use that money to multiply it, to reach people beyond my reach. And you're a part of that. Thank you so much for partnering with us and being the action step for that. Man, Love Out Loud has been amazing, has been amazing. And if you know me, I constantly preach at myself in the mirror. You know, it's, I'm not just preaching on Sunday morning. I'm not just preaching on the stage. I'm preaching wherever I go. I'm just a preacher. God has made me a preacher, and I'm okay with that. And so I'll preach myself in the mirror and, and look at myself in the mirror. Ben, you have to love somebody. You have to love somebody this week. You have to get out there and do something. 
And I was so excited because Martin Campos, if you don't know Martin and Martha, they're amazing. There's some empty nesters in our church. They're sitting in our community group, and Martin just gave me just a subtle correction, which I so value. He said, Ben, you don't have to do that. You see, when you, when you put the word have to in front of something, then, then you feel obligated, and then it becomes more workspace than grace-based. And, and it was just a, it was a powerful word for me. And he said, you don't have to, you get to. You get to love. And, and I love that. And somewhat is semantics, but I understand what he was saying is that, that out of the overflow of your heart, it should be an opportunity and not something that you have to do. I appreciated that word. And then I went to the mirror and go, Ben, you get to love somebody. You get to love somebody. You get to love somebody. Man, I, I'm hard on myself. I'm hard on myself because I know myself. It's why I preach at myself all the time. Ben, you better take your wife out on a date. Now, you get to take her out on a date, but you better take her on a date or you're going to be in big trouble. Man, I crushed a lot when I was a little kid. Any crushers in here? Like, you know, you just, any, any girl... I was just fell in love with. It was crazy. It was so easy for me. And I don't know what my problem was. Maybe it was generational. Maybe I need prayer. Maybe it was sin. Or maybe I just liked attention because I do. But, man, I liked girls a lot. And I would always talk about girls with my friends. I would go around telling them about friends. And, and I always wanted to know if they liked me back. Like, did they reciprocate that? Because if so, this was a match made in heaven, and a six-year-old was on his way to an altar for some covenant. But, man, as I was crushing, you know, I, I didn't ask the girl because that would just be too courageous. So I didn't go ask the girl if she liked me. And, and most of the time, I didn't ask my friend to go ask the girl. Sometimes I did. Sometimes I would send them out. But I never liked the outcome of that. And so what I would do is I would look for flowers, flowers in a field. And I would go up to these flowers, and I would pick one, and I'd begin to ask this flower if this girl liked me. And I would begin to ask this girl, this flower, and I always liked the odd number of petals for some reason, but I would start picking them. She loves me. 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 Oh my goodness. It was amazing. It was amazing. Flowers know best. Now, here's the thing is, is, if the flower was wrong, I would be discouraged and super emotional. Y'all know that. It's just how God created me. I'm not going to change for you, but uh, that's how God created me. I, he created me emotional. And so most of the time, the flowers, flowers would say she didn't love me. And I never liked that choice. And so I would just go ask another flower because apparently that flower was not intelligent enough. It wasn't developed enough, so I needed to ask another flower. So I picked that flower, and, and eventually she loved me, and, and yet she ignored me in the cafeteria. We have to talk about that. Man, it's so, so funny and so silly, but this is, this is really my premise of this morning. Is I think oftentimes we do this as we're searching for God. We're asking this question, God, do you love me? Do you love me? And we begin to ask metaphorically all sorts of flowers and circumstances around us. 
We begin to ask, um, we just got a raise at work. God, you really do love me. That girl winked at me. God, you really do love me. You get promoted, you, get, you, get, you win the lottery. Whew, if you win the lottery, God loves you. But then we do the opposite so many times. We get a demotion at work. We get a pay cut. We get an F on a test. After we really studied really hard and we prayed a lot, we get an F. And then we ask this question as we're picking these flowers, does God love me? Well, apparently he does not. And I think for us, our premise and where we need to, what we need to really focus on this morning is we got to quit being flower pickers. We got to quit being flower pickers and we need to move to a place where God wants us to move. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I love 1 Corinthians 13. Y'all love it? I use it in every wedding. Chase and Alyssa are about to get married. Congratulations. I will probably use 1 Corinthians 13 in their wedding because I am the cliche pastor. And so I'm going to pull this out and I'm going to use it. But, but, but I'm also creative and I, and, and I ideate. So I'll make it sound a little bit different. But man, we love 1 Corinthians 13. Not just Christians, but anybody holds the Bible as some kind of truth. They, they love this verse because it's, it's cute. It's poetic. It's nice. We put it on our bedroom wall. Love is patience. Love is kind. And as she's looking at you, fluttering her eyes, you're wondering why she didn't do the laundry. Love is kind. Man, we love this verse. It's so cute. It's so fun. We love it. But in the context of this verse and this chapter particularly, there was, there was happening in the early church, Corinth had a lot of problems. The church in Corinth had a lot of problems. I mean, there were, there were sons having sex with their mother-in-laws. There was, you would be worshiping next to somebody on Sunday morning, and you would take them to court the next morning to get to their bank account. You would be doing so many things. Corinth had a lot of problems. You know, they actually used real wine. Maybe we should try that. But they were getting drunk during communion. There was so many things happening. How many know the church is jacked up? <laughs> the church led by man is jacked up because it's a bunch of jacked up people, but thankful, thankfully, Jesus is redeeming that. He's making the church perfect, but the church has always been messed up with a lot of messed up people. And here, just a few years after Jesus ascended into heaven, the church is jacked up. And so Paul, thankfully, God puts people in place to set the church straight. And so Paul begins to write 1 Corinthians 13. And he doesn't do it in such a cute, loving way. It's actually a great rebuke to them. Do you see there's chaos? There's all these things happening. People are using all these, all these gifts and, and doing it such out of order. And Paul's setting the tone. He's setting it straight. In 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. 
If I gave away all I have, if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Verse 4 through 8, love is patient and kind. It does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Love never ends. You see, the church in Corinth, the people in Corinth, I think really what their problem was, was an identity problem. I don't really think they knew who they really were according to Jesus. You see, they started making, making their identity great on what they could do versus who they are. It was on their ability versus their making and how God created them. And we see it all the time. You see, see, Corinth was very educated. They spoke in many different languages. In fact, in fact, isn't it sexy when somebody talks in a different language? I think so. You know, it's like, it's like, come on, mi esposa. It's sexy. It's attractive, right? And, and so, so we begin to chase these things, and we begin to speak in multiple, multiple languages. And, and these people could speak in multiple languages. They not only spoke in multiple languages. There was an angelic language. They, they spoke in tongues, a heavenly language. And they had heavenly powers, and they were elevating their powers. Oh, uh, they were elevating their gift over the gift giver. And they were doing things out of order. It, it didn't matter if Tyler was leading worship up here. I, I'm not going to sing. I'm just going to stand up and give a prophetic word. That's nice. Let me stand up and give a prophetic word right now. And then somebody else like, oh, that's nice. Let me go up here and heal somebody. And all this stuff was happening, but nothing was done in order. It was chaos. And it was, look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Y'all watch the voice. Love that. Look at me. And God was setting up a different identity, a different identity for the people of Corinth. You know, if you want some personal conviction, just replace the I with your name. If Christian speaks in tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, Christian is a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if Christian has prophetic powers... And understands all mysteries, all knowledge, and has all faith. So as to remove mountains, but has not love, Christian is nothing. That's some personal conviction, right? Like, man, that is a great way to look at that. Just replace your name with the I in there. But thing is, we all fall short. We all fall short of this. We all fall short, and God is trying to get you to a place of understanding love. See, until you are convinced of God's love for you, will you truly convince others that you love them? Until you're convinced that God loves you, will you truly convince others that you love them? You have to be convinced of it. You have to be convinced that, that God is love and he is the source of love. I love contrast. Paul uses this contrast, love is and love is not. He starts out with, this is what it's not, and this is what it is. And I love this. J-Tom, come up here and help me out real quickly. I love contrast because, because 
what he's doing is he's putting all these descriptions down. And these descriptors are supposed to point, are supposed to point to love and what love is. Have any of y'all played the game 20 questions? I need your help. If you would, pull out your phone. Pull out your phone. And I should have brought up a single man because this would have been much more fun. But here's J. Tom's number right here, 432-661-2783. Is that correct, sir? That's correct, you know, so it's good. Don't change your number so we can remember. That's the number, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to think of a place. And right now I'm thinking of a place. Have you played this on a road trip or something like that? And you ask a question. You only get 20 questions to narrow down your search, okay? And so you'll text your question into JTOM, and then, and then you'll respond with another question. Now, this may not work because technology may get overloaded, but we're going to try it out. So... Here's how 20 questions works. I'm thinking of a place. You get 20 questions to find out what place I'm thinking about. So here's my place. So go ahead and text JTOM 432-661-2783. Is it in the U.S.? No, it is not in the U.S. Okay, second question. Um, is it hot? Hot is relative, isn't it? I would say it's not hot. Um, I'm getting overrun with questions here. Uh, this is the best question so far. Does swag exist in this place? Well, if you are there, then it does. Yes, I would say it does. Is it near the water? Um... Not near, not near. Mm. Is it your mama's house? <laughs> you know, see, every time you play this game, people waste a question because they try to guess what it is, you know? But no, it's not my mama's house. Okay, we're question five. Um, just go with me here, it's, it's gonna be powerful. Oh man. So many, so many questions. Uh, is there streets of gold? No. No, this is not a religious place. Have you been there? Does this place start at 10 o'clock next week? Hmm. We can get any better questions. How often does it rain there? <laughs> Sometimes. We have an emphatic question. Is it in Europe? Yes, it is. Oh, that's a great question. Is it a city? No, it is not. What language do they speak there? Yes. Mm. It's only yes or no questions. I, I'm sorry, that was a wasted question. We're on question 12. We're getting somewhere. This is fun. We are a family. Participate. Are you having fun, Jay? This is the most fun I've had all day. We have a statement. Germany. No? Okay. Mm. That wasn't a question, though. Mm. 
what's the favorite sport there? Oh. That wasn't a question. I'm just reading the questions here, people. I'm working with you. I'm just an advocate here for you. Mm. Is it a city? It's a, I'm sorry. There's so many questions here. I have 80 text messages right now that I have not seen. <laughs> mm, okay. <laughs> Do they speak English? No. How many questions do we have left? Four. Four, Four questions. Um, is it a, a historic place? Yes. Mentioned in the Bible? No. We've already asked that question. Um, does this place have all four seasons? I believe so. This is a mysterious place. It's in Europe. It's not a city. It's not a country. Or is it? I don't know. I'm not asking that question. That doesn't count. Three questions. Yes, we need another mic. Um, is French the primary language? Yes. Oh, yes. We're getting somewhere now. Mm. Is it in France? Yes. I changed it. I altered your question. I made it better. One question. One question. What? What? I'm going to pull the... I don't know. Are we quite... Is it the... Is it, uh, is it the Eiffel Tower? It is the Eiffel Tower! <laughs> Give yourself a hand. Give J. Tom a hand. That was pressure. You know, if he isn't going to practice the court of law, I'm just going to bring him up here to bring up... To get the pressure. Hey, come on, Jay. You're amazing. Give yourself a hand. That's awesome. Man, you have won the game 20 questions. If you ever, ever want a road trip to go by quicker, then just play that game over and over again. It's awesome. It's awesome. Have they, all y'all played that game before? Yes, maybe some of you have, some of you haven't. Man, <clears throat> this, is what, this is what Paul's saying in 1 Corinthians 13. He's using these descriptors. He's saying love is and love is not. Love is and love is not. And, what, and it's oftentimes what we do is we ask questions. You see, Paul's goal, Paul's goal isn't to get you to kindness. Paul's goal isn't to get you to patience. Paul's goal is through you asking questions is to get you to love and to get you to the person of love. God's love is agape love. It's a self-sacrificial self love that God wants you to get to and it does all things it believes all things it hopes all things it endures all things and how many of you know that you and your ability 
can't do all things. You and your ability can't do all things. And so as you're asking questions and searching out for God, and you're finding out what love is and what love is not, you're eventually going to end up at the destination. You're eventually going to end up at the place of where God is, and it's God's love. And here's what's great about it is God's love is not necessarily something that we chase, but we're a product of, right? It's something that we become through Jesus. It's something that we are because of him. 1 John 4, 7 says this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. For those who know God, they know love. They know love. And what I love, the fact is this, is that this church in Corinth was crazy, and it was going off the rocker, and, and they forgot what it was to love out loud. And so Paul was bringing perspective. Let me explain what love is and what love is not. But also let me explain who Jesus is and what he has done for you. And I think in our Love Out Loud series, we, we aren't giving money to Syria just to make ourselves feel better. And in our Love Out Loud series, we aren't inviting our neighbor to make ourselves be feel better and and when we're at Luminous Church and we move to 10 o'clock, we aren't moving to 10 o'clock to make ourselves feel better. We're doing this because we want people to see Jesus. We want Jesus to take them and love on them and be so amazing with them. What I love about Jesus is that Jesus went to you. How many would have been better if I just went to you and told you it's the Eiffel Tower? That would have been a lot easier, right? You know what? That's what God does. God, oftentimes, he'll just go to you, and he'll go to you, and he, you don't even have to ask the question. He's just revealing himself. In fact, Jesus did that over 2,000 years ago. Over 2,000 years ago, he saw the absence of love on the earth. Over 2,000 years ago, he saw that you and I were a broken people. Over 2,000 years ago, he saw filth and destruction, and he saw a lot of people who felt like they had to do a lot of things, sometimes like Ben Chapman feels where he has to do something in order for God to love them. But what Jesus said is, you don't have to do anything, but I'm going to come to you. And he got off his seat, and he came down, and he walked a perfect life on earth, telling us all about who God is, all about his love. And he said, remain in me, and I will remain in you. Remain in love, and love will remain in you. And Jesus, right before he gave his life, he gave his life freely for us. He was sitting down with his disciples at a table. And the worship team would come help me close this out this morning. As Jesus was reclining at the table with his friends and his family, he, he, lived, he lived 33 years talking about love. And here's how we can love out loud. It's by remaining in God and who God is. And as Jesus was doing that, he was reclining at the table, and he was hanging out with his friends. I think that's one of the best ways to know that, that love is in the house when you can just hang out with your friends and recline, right? So as he's reclining at the table and he's sitting there, he's, he's having his last meal with them. And we call it the Last Supper. 
And as he's having his last meal with his disciples, he's telling them basically what is the meaning of life? What is the purpose? And where will you become new and free? And, and where Jesus will meet you and what love is all about. In Matthew 26, 26, it says, Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, he broke, and he gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when, headed over, when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many of the forgiveness of sins. And here in a moment, we're going to take communion. And if you would, stand with me this morning as the worship team is here. And as I wrap us up to talk about love and what this moment meant for us, the ushers will be passing out the elements for us to take communion together as a family. I wonder if Jesus sat around the table playing 20 questions with his disciples. I'm thinking of a place I'm about to go. Golden streets and, and amazing love and, and God so good and his riches and mercy. But as they were sitting there eating and reclining and hanging out, and you can just hold on to those elements and we'll, we'll lead you to take those together in just a moment. Jesus' heart was for us to not miss love. Jesus' heart was for us not to miss it. It's why he sent Paul to Corinth, because they were missing the mark. It's why Paul wrote 1 Corinthians 13, because they needed to know the most important thing is love. And love is God. 1 John 5, 3 through 4 says this, for this is the love of God that he who keeps his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. For what is ever born of God overcomes the world and that is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is the one who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the son of God. That Jesus is the son of God. And that's what he was saying is here in a moment, I'm going to go to a cross and I'm gonna die for your sins. And I'm going to do that so that you may have life and life to the full. And I'm going to overcome death and I'm going to be raised from the dead in three days. And as I do and as I ascend to the Father, you'll have life. But you know what? You know what, Luminous Church? I think oftentimes you could forget it. I think oftentimes, Luminous Church, that you could, you could sit around and you could be doing all these things and you could be prophesying, leading community groups, showing up, serving early and watching our kids and taking down signs after service and taking photos and leading worship and you could be doing all this and you can miss it. You can miss it. And so I'm gonna institute something so that you remember forever the love that has been poured out for you. And it's only by that love that you're made new. And that's when he said, I want you to take the Lord's Supper. And as often as you do this, remember Jesus. Remember the one who loves you. Remember the one who died for you. Remember the one who makes you new. Remember the one who made it possible to have a love that we would have never known otherwise. And so, Father, we love you this morning. And, God, as we remember you, we remember Jesus that we can't love can't love without you first loving us. 
and you did 2,000 years ago and you did today. And so we remember you right now as a family. So if you would open your communion and let's take this as a family together. Now I do think their bread probably tastes a lot better than our wafer. But I'm so thankful that we have some symbolism that we can remember while we love out loud. He took the bread and after blessing it, Jesus, we pray that you would bless this bread that resembles your body that was broken for us. And Jesus, I pray that we never forget the day that we were made new. You may take this bread and eat it. And then Jesus took the cup. And as he took this wine, he began to say that there is a blood that is going to be poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Because you see, sin demanded blood, demanded a blood sacrifice. And I don't, I don't want Casey's blood, and I don't want Voltaire's blood. I don't want their blood because their blood's not perfect and it's tainted. I need a perfect sacrifice so that Casey and Voltaire and me could have life. And this perfect sacrifice, this perfect blood is the blood of the Lamb, Jesus. So if you would, take this cup. And Jesus, we bless it. We thank you for the blood that makes us new. God, that offers the forgiveness of our sins so that we can love. You may take up your cup. Jesus, right now, we just want to, more than anything, worship agape. We want to worship love. We want to worship God, who is love. So God, we want to worship you. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did for us and make us new. Can we worship Jesus together as we close this morning? <laughs>